Welcome to McKnight's Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information from industry leaders. Hello, this is Diane Estabrook, staff writer at McKnight's Home Care Daily Pulse. Margaret Haynes was recently named CEO of Omaha-based Ride at Home. She's been at the firm for more than a decade, overseeing expansion of the company's franchise system. Haynes and I recently talked about the explosive growth the home care industry has experienced over the last few years and what that means for Right at Home and other home care companies going forward. I have to say it's it's been a fun ride just watching uh, the explosive growth of Right at Home over the over the years. Um, I started with Right at Home in 2011. And, you know, just the impact that the local franchisees are having on the communities they serve. So it's been just really fun watching that. And as a private duty home care industry as a whole, when I when I look at that, you know, we've seen the market mature over those years and becoming a driving kind of known and respected resource across the healthcare continuum. So home care is now having a seat at tables that maybe weren't there before. And, you know, that, you know, increases collaboration across the healthcare continuum, I think, in a very positive move. Um, and it's towards meeting those consumers' needs beyond just episodic demands for care. So I think just the changes in the industry overall, overall over those years has been really fun to watch. And then when I think about, you know, the pandemic. So the pandemic has also really helped elevate the industry and the essential role that home care plays in helping individuals stay supported and safe in their homes. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't just talk about the changing dynamics, right? The changing demographics that are creating a, a what we've kind of been calling a paradigm shift in, in, our, in our industry. Um, and that's really around changing consumer preferences, needs, and demands. So this, the baby boomer group that's starting to move in is a very different consumer than the, you know, greatest generation that, that we've been servicing. Um, and so we've got to adapt to, to those things as well. So we're, we're monitoring and, and studying what does this consumer, what are their preferences and desires? Um, the baby boomers are a very experiential type consumer. And so how can we meet that? And then there's changing workforce dynamics. So the baby boomer is this huge group of individuals moving through. People talk about the Python, but, you know, moving through the Python. And, but they didn't have as many kids of their own. And so there's not an equal large generation behind them from a workforce perspective. So thinking about as people start to retire, what does that look like from a workforce dynamics perspective? And when we think about the caregiver shortage and, and you know, what does that mean for the industry? But as we think about the dynamics of what does the caregiver workforce look like, I think that is going to change um, from what it's been historically because we've got these baby boomers, retirees. We may have even more retirees that are going to serve as caregivers. So just the workforce dynamics are something that we're watching. And the changing healthcare system, you know, that is now pushing more care into the home, you know, which in turn is expanding the, the support services needed. Um, and data. Data has over the years become much, much more important in terms of tracking and capturing it in order to improve health outcomes and collaboration. Um, so those are the, some of the things that I see changing from a demographics perspective as well. Great. And I want to go back and talk about some of the things that you touched upon. You mentioned collaboration. Um, Who are you collaborating with? Are you collaborating with uh, providers? Are you 
collaborating with continuing care communities, home health agencies, who? Yeah, so we are. We are collaborating with home health agencies. We're collaborating in the healthcare con- uh, continuum itself or the ecosystem itself, but also outside of that. So, you know, for example, we have True Blue that we collaborate with that is, isn't in the healthcare world, but is there in the aging space. And, and as we think about growth, we're looking at where are those um, key partnerships and, and partnerships can mean lots of different things in terms of, is it just a, a symbiotic relationship? Is it something that eventually maybe we're doing some joint ventures? Is it something that maybe we're doing some acquisitions? Those are all things yet to be determined. And we're looking at every opportunity uh, uniquely to decide what is the best outcome or the best solution given that particular partnership. But we really are um, building very strong symbiotic and collaborative relationships across the healthcare ecosystem so that we can um, be that important resource that is beyond those episodic things that healthcare typically focuses on. You also talked about experiential, um, which I don't really think about. When I think about health, home health or anything in the home, I'm almost thinking when you use that term, being in a community comes to mind. So what are you talking about there? Yeah, so we know that most seniors want to actually age in their home. That's where their memories are. That's where they feel comfortable. That's where they they know where everything is. And it's 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 very personal in terms of and I and I go back to my own experience with my mom and and uh, um, her progression as she had Alzheimer's. But the experiential is how can we uh, continue to create. Uh, a great experience for that individual as they go through this thing called aging. Aging, you know, people people aren't excited like, yay, I'm getting older. You know, you don't typically hear individuals do that. But at the same time, aging can be a very beautiful thing. And, um, you know, to me, experiential is, is focusing on what are the things that you can continue to do? I mean, obviously, as I'm getting older, there's things that I used to do that I'm like, oh, I can't quite do that anymore. But I can get to the same end result if I just do a modification. And so as consumers and as baby boomers, we are an instant gratification kind of generation. We like experiences. We like our vacations. We like to go to the movie or, you know, go to the theater. And, and so those are all experiences. And so I think aging can be a wonderful experience. And as, as right at home, our mission is to improve the quality of life for those we serve. So that means we want to create really great experiences for individuals where Home care is cool. You know, home care is something that helps an individual come alongside them and and let them live out their, you know, their best years. And so that's what I mean by experiential. And we want to do the same thing from a when we talk about improving the quality of life for those we serve. It's not just the clients, but it's the families. It's the caregivers, you know, that are working for each of our individual franchise owners. How can each owner create a a great experience supporting that workforce? Because they're truly they're truly angels. You know, there's not enough words to describe the impact that right at home caregivers had on me and my family and my dad as my mom was progressing. And so that, you know, is just something that's very personal and that we're extremely passionate about. And you talk about your caregivers, and you also talked about making home care cool. What does the industry have to do to make home care look cool and attract a new generation of caregivers? 
Yeah, you know, I think it's there's not a there's not an easy answer to that in terms of um, how how you're going to do that. I think it's part about getting um, when I think about clients and making caregiving and home care cool for a client to have a caregiver, it's really starting to have those conversations early on with the family and getting getting an individual comfortable with with recognizing the aging process and how they don't have to do that alone and they don't have to feel unsupported. So, you know, we're really focused on how can we help families navigate the process and in doing that, make it less scary. And because when you think about typically in the past, when home care gets called to come in or home health from an episodic perspective, it's usually in crisis mode. And that's a lot of stress that's going on. And so we've really been adopting an approach of saying, let's have a plan. Let's start talking about living. Let's not... Um, Let's not make aging a, a scary thing and let's talk about what does that really look like and how can can you best be supported going through that? And then from the caregiver perspective, it's really kind of understanding what are their needs and how can we make being a caregiver um, a, a role that, you know, people are aspiring to. We have such amazing caregivers today. And so how do we give them career paths? How do we give them the opportunity to really take that servant heart and continue to make a difference. So how can we support them and not just how the, the, the role is, but how do we look at them as a broader individual? And are there additional things that we can do to support from continuing education and other things that they can be doing that really gives them that, you know, everybody wants to be appreciated, right? And everybody wants to, uh, you know, usually everybody wants to just make a difference. And and there's not a better role out there than uh, being a caregiver. And so um, I think supporting caregivers that do it as a profession, as well as family caregivers, um, also giving them the support that they need and recognizing that they're not alone. And it's okay to ask for some respite assistance that can come from a, a company like Right at Home. You also talked about data and how are you collecting data and how are you utilizing the data that you're collecting? Yeah, so um, we have uh, been focusing on data for for quite a few years now in terms of just getting better at it. And and I'll be honest, we still have a lot of room to go. Um, So while we across the entire Right at Home brand, we have a dictated uh, software that we use. Um, and that helps capture data in a consistent manner. It does have a lot of flexibility with it. So it may be a little bit of what's being stored in one field is maybe not the same across all the different locations. And so we're working on how can we drive more consistency. But we have built out an entire um, data management group here at the corporate office because there's so much intelligence to be gained out of that data. And certainly in working with our healthcare partners, being able to use data to show how we are helping them reduce readmissions into the hospital is really, really critical. And so we are doing that with one of our key uh, partners in Compass at the moment. And and with them, we've been able to, uh, with the program we're working on, they had a benchmark goal of saying they wanted their readmissions to be 15% or less. And actually, they've reported that working collaboratively with Right at Home, that they're now seeing under 10% with their um, re-hospitalization. So that's a great example where 
data and collaboration is being used to show the value of how home health and home care can come along side each other and really create an overall experience. And at the end of the day, we want that the individual, the, the client or the, or the um, patient to, to get supported in a way that allows them to, to age successfully wherever they call home. You mentioned Encompass, and I wanted to talk to you about that because yeah. the company is spinning off its home health division, home health and hospice division. How is that going to affect your company once that transaction happens or once that uh, spinoff takes place? Yeah, so um, we uh, obviously knew that that was coming in partnership and talking with Encompass and that they were doing this rebranding and that uh, went in effect, I think, earlier this month, if I remember right. Maybe it was the end of last month. Um, and I, we know that the spinoff is happening likely in Q3 of this year, but there's really been no hiccups. We've continued to be very engaged both at the corporate office here and with our individual offices that are engaged with their local Encompass contact. And so we haven't seen any hiccups or any change in that. We've got a lot of relationships across the system uh, and adding more. And so we're excited for our continued partnership and don't see anything changing regardless of the spinoff that is happening. This has been an an industry the last, particularly the last couple of years, we've seen tremendous M&A activity in this area, lots of partnerships and that kind of thing. You're a fairly big company already. You're a global company Going forward, where do you see your growth coming from? Is it organic growth or is it through M&A activity? Do you see yourself potentially being acquired by one of these big firms or even a health insurance company? Yeah, so I would say yes and yes and yes, no. (laughs) If I kept track of uh, the different options that you put out there. So obviously, we're definitely... We'll continue to grow organically, um, you know, through supporting our franchise owners and increasing their reach within their markets. You know, we also have several owners that are expanding their footprint, uh, which is a great testament just to the strong network and and the passionate owners that represent the right at home brand. So organic growth is absolutely going to be there. And we're seeing organic growth also happening in our international master licensees. So the other company or other countries that we operate in. And they're seeing great growth and expansion, particularly Australia, Canada, and the UK are all seeing seeing growth. But we're also going to continue to be active on the acquisition front. Um, So we have, uh, since about 2019, we have have been acquiring some company-owned stores. And from a company-owned perspective, some of that's been uh, brand new startups. We call them de novos, starting from the ground up where we're actually planting a flag somewhere where we don't have a flag today. Because ultimately, we'd love to fill the map because that allows us to bring the mission to life to, to more individuals out there. And because we're so passionate about it and the value it can bring. We also have acquired some of our own franchise owners where um, based on certain situations or just uh, uh, based on where they're at and timing, we've uh, taken on um, some of our own franchise owners. And then we also have acquired independence where we've taken maybe a local uh, mom and pop and uh, been able to bring them under the right at home brand as um, a uh, company owned. When you look at an independent, what kind of things are you looking for? Are you looking for a territory that you're not necessarily in? a service gap? What is it that you might be looking for? Yeah. So when we're looking at independence, we are definitely looking at uh, a market where we're not in today because we we never want to compete with our franchise owners. I mean, that's that's not 
that's not who we are. And, and um, uh, we have the utmost respect for our franchise owners. So we're looking at areas where uh, we don't have a presence today. Um, but we're also looking for companies that, you know, have a good reputation that are private duty focused. So we're not looking for home health because we're not a home health company. So um, we are looking for private duty or, and, you know, they may also have some VA work or some Medicaid waiver work that they might be doing, but, but we want it to be primarily private duty. That's our bread and butter and what we're really good at. Um, and so it, it's exciting to meet some of these, you know, owners and and certainly through the pandemic, I know it's been hard on a lot of individuals, including our franchise owners in terms of navigating everything over these last couple of years. But I can't imagine as a as an individual mom and pop what it's been like, uh, you know, just knowing all the support that we were providing to our franchise owners and the collaboration that was happening. And so, you know, if we can be that exit strategy for a mom and pop that is you know, built a great asset and now is looking to do something else, you know, we'd love to entertain those conversations because um, at the end of the day, that allows us to then expand the reach from a brand perspective. You're in the unique situation where you have perspective from other nations because you're in other countries. From a policy perspective, is there something that we should be doing here in the U.S.? Congress should be doing, Washington should be doing, um, that they're not, we hear that all the time, versus what you're seeing in some of the other countries that you're in. Uh, Yeah, I wish that I had some great, uh, oh my gosh, this is what they need to do and this will solve all our problems, but but I don't. I mean, I think, you know, the, the challenges that we're facing as a country with just this aging population and the things that we need to do with our um, our healthcare system are not all that different than what other countries are facing because they've got the same challenge of the demographics and what that means. And while they may have different um, healthcare systems in which they operate, we still all have a similar um, approach in terms of some of the healthcare, if not all, is provided from from a government perspective. And and I think. Um, it's a real challenge of what our government is facing right now. I know I was at a conference not too long ago and Selma Verma was there who used to be leading CMS, right? And she she said, you know, if things don't change, you know, potentially Medicare could be bankrupt in, in you know, a few years from now. And so it's it's a real challenge. And, and I don't have the answers other than we've got to work the problem. And I do think that as individuals, recognizing that we're going to have to, as a consumer, potentially put more of our own dollars towards our health care. That is something that we should be planning for, because I, I think that's the only way we're going to continue to have the level of care that, that, we're, that we're used to and that we want as individuals. Great. Margaret Haynes, thanks so much for joining me. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in long-term care, senior living, and home care news, visit mcknights.com.